it's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Great to have you with us this Friday, November 3rd, 2023. As Chad Erickson told you, I am Jason Page. Easy Friday show. Sammy Arnell coming up in just seconds. We'll go through the Thursday night matchup between the uh, Steelers and Titans from last night. I told you take the under. Hope you hope you went with me on that. Uh, we'll also have Page versus the Prince, our Week Nine edition of our NFL picks. Four zero for yours truly last week. We are on a heater, baby heater. Uh, the opposite of a heater, that would be this man, Sam Yarnell. He is he is the antithesis of the heater. He is the anti-heater. <laughs> How are you, Sam? I told you last night, maybe you should pick something like, I don't know, like entertainment props or something. Like the presidential election. Just maybe go look at, like, at, at political prop betting or something like that. Take a break. So- Take a break. I was like you. I liked the under. Let's not forget that. But I will say the parley I gave out was so heinous. That was first of all. Second of all, I am done forever, forever (laughs) betting team total overs when they are 16 and a half. Yeah. This is twice in a week that I have been beaten by a six and a half team total over. So I, not just uh, not just 16 and a half, also 26 and a half or 36 and a half. Whenever it gives me that juicy six and a half that I think, oh, it's easy to score 27 points or 17 points instead of 16 or 27 <laughs> instead of 26. I'm wrong. That is the most wrong I've ever been uh, about a general principle. And it's bit me twice in the last week. So staying away from those six and a half team total lines, um, it, what a what a terrible game. And I thought it was going to be a great game at halftime. I really did. I thought we were going to have ourselves a barn burner in the second half. If we were if both of those defenses could have heated up a little bit more. All we needed coming out of halftime was a Tennessee Titans touchdown and nothing else to happen and everything would have hit. I'm trying to figure out what to make of of Kenny Pickett because I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. But it's hard to but it's hard to it's hard to speak against the fact that he's got all these fourth quarter comebacks. He's got more fourth quarter the only person with more fourth quarter comebacks in the last couple of years is Kirk Cousins with eight. And and Kenny Pickett's got seven. And he puts together a ninety-two uh, not we're not talking about, you know, getting the ball at the fifty and driving his team in for a go ahead. It's a 92-yard drive. He couldn't move the ball. For, they moved the ball on the first drive of the game and the last drive of the game. And that was it. I mean, that literally was it. Touchdown on the first drive of the game. Matt Canada's going nuts on the sideline. And then all of a sudden, you didn't see any more Matt Canada the rest of the night because they couldn't score. And then the final drive of the game, 92 yards for the, uh, for the game-winning touchdown. And there are these moments where you watch him where he's making plays and he's making throws. And then you see these other moments, and I thought they illustrated it well at halftime on the on the Amazon Prime uh, broadcast where he's overthrowing guys, he's throwing high, and they're like, oh, maybe it's the ribs. Well, 
the ribs didn't bother him on the last drive, so they probably weren't bothering him when he was overthrowing guys. I don't know. I don't know who Kenny Pickett is. I don't know which Kenny Pickett is the long-term Kenny Pickett, or is he just, is this what he is? I think you have to look at the pieces around him in that offense and consider how much more successful they would be with an even average quarterback under center. I mean, Jalen Warren has to be one of the most electric young backs in the league. Najee Harris was Harris was great. good last night. Uh, he was, but he hasn't been good this season. No, I know. Uh, Deontay Johnson caught a caught a touch caught a touchdown last night for the first time <laughs> since Ben Roethlisberger yes, was the I quarterback saw, in I Pittsburgh. That. I saw that. George Pickens should be considered one of the better go up and get it DeAndre Hopkins level receivers in the league, but he doesn't have a good quarterback to throw him those kinds of balls. Uh, even Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth is a good tight end, but his career has fallen off of a cliff because of Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is a horrible thing for Pittsburgh. And I know he's this great story, and that's why everyone wants to continue to give him these chances. But at the end of the day, you got to wake up and smell the roses or lack thereof if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Kenny Pickett is not going to take this team where it should be going. They're going to ride with him, though. They're going to they're going to ride with him for now. They are. I mean, that's it's that's, a great story. That's where and for and it's not even the story thing. There really isn't another option. There is no plan well, he B. He sells a lot of tickets. No, but I mean, but there isn't a plan B right now. Mitchell Trubisky's not an option. So they're going to ride with him and, and see how far he can take him. And here's the reality. They're five. Again, talk about if you watch teams play, the Jets at four and three. Uh, I'm, I'm guffawing. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh at five and three. Like, I, I, cannot, I cannot wrap my head around the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are five and three, as inept as they are offensively. I get that they're really good defensively. Will Levis found that out last night. Um, but man, alive, Pitt. Mike, I'm telling you, you know, we talk about the greatest coaches, generations, all this stuff. Mike Tomlin is just a wizard. The guy is a wizard. And you know, I know Steeler fans who will do nothing but complain about Mike Tomlin. And one day he's going to be gone. One day he won't be there, and fans are going to be really sorry uh, that when that day comes. Because Mike Tomlin, he's not just a good coach, a great coach. He is an all-time great coach. You think about the fact that this guy, we talk about Bill Belichick. And look what happened when, when he lost Tom Brady. Fell apart. Mike Tomlin lost Ben Roethlisberger. He still isn't in a record under five hundred. Oh, here we go no, with this again. It's, it's true. Here we go with it's this. It's true. Pretending like Ben Roethlisberger is the second coming of the Lord. My goodness. Like, Ben Roethlisberger was a fine quarterback. Ben yes. Roethlisberger was not an all-time great quarterback. But it's stability Mike at Tomlin, the most important position on the field. They had that kind of stability for a long time at the most important position on the field. And once that, and once you lose that, you tend to see what happens with an organization and how much of it is coaching versus how much of it is that quarterback that's carrying you. Sean Payton kind of finding that out right now. All the Drew Brees years, we all thought Sean Payton's a genius. Sean Payton doesn't look like a genius so much right now because of what's happening in Denver. Bill Belichick, oh my God, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, it was really just Tom Brady as we're kind of finding out right now. Same thing here. Mike Tomlin, you know, Pete Carroll, 
the Russell Wilson years. Oh, my God, Pete Carroll, great head coach, Russell Wilson. You know what? He's still winning with Geno Smith, who was basically a castaway, a throwaway from the Jets years. You know, that, that's where you find out how good some of these coaches are. Can you do it with one quarterback? Sure, great. Can you do it with multiple quarterbacks? What Mike Tomlin's doing right now with that team at 5-3, and three, it's got to be the best coaching job in the league this year. Mike Tomlin is... There's an argument to be made that Mike Tomlin is the best coach of this generation, hands down. I think that when he had Ben Roethlisberger speaks more to that than almost anything because of what you're talking about in the transition, even when they had Ben Roethlisberger, who, again, was a very good quarterback, was not an all-time great quarterback. I agree with you. Mike Tomlin put the team around him and the pieces around him to win Super Bowls. But he also kept them as a title contender every year, so on and so forth. All that was great. Kept the system to the point where when it was time for Ben to be done, Byron Leftwich could step in and win four games for that team. Yep. Because I think he did one year yeah, when Ben, you know, had like eight different injuries in the, at the same time. Mike Tomlin, seemingly, you know, it's weird because there was a point, I feel like at the beginning of last season maybe, Mm -hmm. where he kind of wavered from it, from what has made him such a great coach over the years, and he almost overcommitted to Kenny and really wanted to go all in on the quarterback rather than doing what he's done his whole career, like I said, building the team around them. I think they've strayed more away from that thought and more to the old ways of Tomlin, and that's why we're seeing this success with Pittsburgh. And it speaks also that they have the best defensive player on the planet right now. Ben and Eli, I, I almost wonder if you put Benny, Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning in that same sort of category. They're both going to be in the Hall of Fame. And they're both sort of those those quarterbacks that are, you know, put up numbers, won Super Bowls. That sort of thing. It's funny. When you were talking about Ben Roethlisberger for a moment, I was like, you know, very good quarterback. And it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. But Eli and, and Ben Roethlisberger are both going to be in there, and we've talked about this, the the whole thing with, with the ease with which quarterbacks get in as opposed to other positions. But when I think about Ben Roethlisberger, I kind of think, kind of, think of him in that same category um, as an Eli Manning. When I, when I think about it, uh, talk about Will Levis for a second. Look, they, here's the good, it's a good news, bad news thing for me. If you're a Titans fan, the bad news is you're three and five, your season's on the brink. The good news is this. You got your quarterback. Will Levis can play. I, I haven't seen anything now through the first two games, even them losing last night. And at times, you know, him not being able to maybe look off Hopkins and, and, and staring him down too much and things like that. He's going to be fun. Man, that guy's got a cannon for an arm. He made a pass last night where he was falling backwards and just sort of flipped it. And the zip on the ball, you can't teach that. You cannot teach that. And you know who has to be the most excited person on the planet right now in Tennessee? Has to be DeAndre Hopkins. Because he's, uh-huh. he's got somebody that can throw him the football. You know, he didn't have that with Ryan Tannehill. You sure as hell don't have it with Malik Willis. Which is why they went the option of of Will Levis, uh, but you've got your quarterback of the future. And if there's something to be encouraged about, if you're that team, if you're that franchise, you got the talk of a new stadium down there in Nashville. 
And now you've got a quarterback that you know could play in that stadium for the next at least half a dozen years. I'm with you. Will Levis is the guy. But if I'm a Titans fan right now, it's so bittersweet that this happens this week. Why couldn't it have happened last week when, you know, Minnesota would have been in the Ryan Tannehill market real strong and you could have added a sixth round pick for a guy who's just going to end up sitting the bench for the rest of the season. Or other than that, if you know that your season's going to go off of a cliff in your Tennessee and you're going to start Will Levis, trade these assets that you have and get draft capital to build around Will Levis. I love the move to Levis. I do agree with you in that he'll be the quarterback of the future, but it's such a weird time for Tennessee to do it to me. It's not like they have nothing to lose at this point. They're still outside looking in at a playoff spot or even, you know, if everything goes haywire with the Jaguars, that division. Um Weird time, yeah, so yeah. weird time for the Titans to do this. But I like Levis. I think Levis will be around for a few years. He's, yeah. you know, got all play. the physical acumen. Yep, he does. And he plays the game of the confidence and a swagger. It just makes you wonder. I'll close with this, and then we got to take a quick break. We'll do Page versus the Prince, talk about some of the, the great games coming up this weekend. It, it, it makes you wonder, from a talent evaluation standpoint, what did they see in the preseason that led them to believe he couldn't start Week one, was it they wanted to give Ryan Tannehill the benefit of the doubt, give him a few more weeks for grooming? Are you going to tell me that two months is the difference between? Because I just wonder what this team would have been if Will Levis had started from week one versus you know starting him in week eight, and and now you got a win on a loss and you're three and five and all of that. I just wonder what they saw from a talent evaluation standpoint that led them to believe. And I know his, his preseason wasn't great, but it's preseason. It's not, the game isn't played the same way. It's not played at the same speed. It's, it's just, it, it's an opportunity to, to sort of experiment, figure things out, especially if you're a, if you're a rookie quarterback, it's just odd to me that we had to wait until week eight to get Will Levis. And if their season doesn't go, obviously, the way they were hoping it was going to go, that's something you're going to have to wonder about when we get to the end. All right, stick around. I want to come back, get to the great games from Week 9 that are still to come. Sam Yarnell and I will discuss. Uh, we'll also have Page versus the Prince, Week 9 edition of Games. Don't go anywhere. It's the Sports Wrap on a Friday. our favorite day of the week it's friday that means it's page versus the prince we'll get to that in a couple seconds here as sam prepares his wardrobe what do you think of the rock what is that i don't understand um it's not time yet all right all right it's not time yet i've I've not we have chad erickson has not introduced the segment yet we did throw up the graphic, though. Uh, yes. Um, three great games this weekend. Dolphins-Chiefs, Seahawks-Ravens, Cowboys-Eagles. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, the Dolphins trying to get a win against a good team. The Seahawks trying to 
really establish themselves as the front runner in the NFC West, potentially. If they go on the road and beat the Ravens this week, I mean, that is statement stuff. You can make faces all you want, mister. Dude, and the Cowboys and the Cowboys and the Cowboys haven't beaten anybody yet. So a win over the Eagles would obviously be huge for them, uh, especially on the road. Go ahead. Geno Smith is never going to be at the top of a division when there's a team with Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel all in the same offense in that same division. It's just never going to happen. Okay. Even if the Niners are in third place after the end of next week. They'll be the favorites. <laughs> Fair enough. It's Friday, and that means it's time for the weekly face-off for sports betting bragging rights. It's Paige versus the Prince on the cash-in. I didn't realize it still says the cash-in. You never realized that? No. Did not realize that. All right, it you get to go first. Rap. You get to go first because you suck right now, and I'm, I'm dictating that you go first. I was 4-0 last week. You were 0-4-1. Wow. Shout out to the Jets. I can smell you from across the country. I mean, you're like... All right. You're, you are... Who's my guy in Vegas that I can't stand that works for ESPN Bet? Joe Fortenball. You are Joe Fortenball bad right now. Listen, shout out to Fortenball. Best hair on TV. Looks like a used car salesman to me. Hey, I, I got buy a, car. a car from that guy eight days a week. I got a Buick Regal I want to sell you. Give me a 2016 F-150 fresh off the lot, Joe. <laughs> All right. The Prince's losers this week. Just fade them. My first pick. Going back to the well. A team that I love to bet on and that I've lost plenty of money on this season. The Houston Texans laying three at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a horrible spot this is for the Houston Texans. That's why I love them here. I think CJ Stroud has a game that we're totally not expecting him to have against this Bucks defense. Not that the Bucks defense is great, but... C.J. Stroud did not look good in that last game against the Panthers. I think this is a great spot for the Texans to get right and bounce back against a struggling Bucks team that haven't looked the same as they did at the beginning of the season over the last, I would say, three weeks. I'm going to go on the record next- here. I'm going to go on the record, by the way, and say I love that pick. So if it doesn't go well for you, know that I actually was that was one that was almost on my list. Well, I appreciate that. Yep. I'm, I'm riding with you on that one. Uh, my next pick. This one's a little interesting. The Commanders getting three up in New England against the New England Patriots. Uh. Listen, this line should not be three points. This line should be a pick em. I think that this is a one point game. I kind of told myself coming into this matchup that I was just going to take whoever was getting points in this game. That's how close I think it is when it all comes down to it. Mac Jones is still not that guy. The Washington defense is waiting to wake up, and now they got guys playing for contracts without Sweat and Young in D.C. I think the commanders come out and stomp them here. Uh, 
as much as I want to say this is a close game, and, and that's what I'm thinking with my logical sense, the, the non-logical part of my brain is telling me that Sam Howell throws for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns again. Uh, we'll see if it happens. I like the Commanders plus three this weekend up in New England. I cannot see them losing this game. They're going to lose by 21 points. My next pick. Lay the eight and a half with the Cleveland Browns out in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. Same principle here as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cardinals started out so well and have not looked the same since. What are they going to do at quarterback this week? They just traded away Josh Josh Dobbs, the pastronaut, and Kyler Murray's still not ready to come off of IR as far as I've heard. I love betting against the Cardinals, and also Deshaun Watson's got something to prove this week. Not that I ever like betting on Deshaun Watson, but I think that he's going to come out after all the narratives and the owner watching practice uh, and, and the narratives with his with his work ethic. I think the Browns come out and stomp on the Cardinals this week. This is a great get-right spot for them, and it's a great spot for their defense. Their defense may score a touchdown this weekend. I may bet an anytime touchdown on the Cleveland defense this weekend. Browns minus 8.5 against the Arizona Cardinals. My last pick is an interesting one. So it was originally... Yeah, I think it's going to stick with with what it was originally. Uh, We're going to go Ravens minus five and a half at home against the Seahawks. Uh, I love Lamar Jackson. I still think Geno Smith is a fraud. Uh, We just saw what the Ravens did to a really good NFC team at home in the Detroit Lions. I think we have a similar outcome in this game. Uh, I'd love to see the Ravens stomp all over the Seattle Seahawks and quiet this narrative that the Seahawks are actually going to compete for the NFC West. Ravens laying five and a half at home against the Seahawks. My four picks, the Texans minus three at home against the Buccaneers. The Commanders getting three in New England against the Patriots. The Browns laying eight and a half at home against the Cardinals. Uh, and the Ravens laying five and a half at home against the Seahawks. Let me say this. I agree with you, uh, and we actually have one pick that is the same, and I'll start with that real quick uh, and keep it short on it. The Ravens minus five and a half, I agree. I don't think Geno Smith is a fraud, but if you watch the tape, and I've watched a lot of Geno tape, Geno's making a lot of decisions that are suspect and getting away with them. And I've seen more than a few instances this year where he's getting a little careless with the football. Hasn't bit him yet. Guess what? Against the best defense in the NFL, arguably, on the road... Having to make the trip cross-country, I would be very nervous if I were a Seahawks fan. I think I think the Ravens win this week. I like them minus five and a half. Dolphins and Chiefs, 50 and a half is your total. I almost went with my heart and said, this is the week the Dolphins get it right, the week they figure it out. And then I said, you know what? I don't think it is. I think Kansas City poses a lot of problems. I do think there's a lot of points scored in this game, though. 50 and a half. I think Kansas City is going to, for a change, be the offensive team that a lot of people thought they would be before the season started. Because Miami can't defend. At the same time, I do think that Miami will get some points. This is a spot where I think they can put up, you know, they can lose. I can see this being 30 to 21, 34 23. 
I think it crosses the 50-and-a-half threshold. Uh, Houston at home for the Buccaneers. I don't see a lot of points here. 40 feels high for these two teams. I also think it's a get-right spot for the Texans, as I mentioned when Sam was giving his picks. I love Houston at home uh, against a Buccaneers team that really is struggling to score. Under 40 feels pretty good there. Last one, Eagles-Cowboys. I have. I, I am shocked shocked that the Cowboys are only getting three points. I thought it'd be five, six, five and a half, three? Oh my God. I'll take it all day. Philadelphia's played up and down this year. Inconsistent at times. They still have one loss. One loss. At home, division rival, they're winning by at least a touchdown. I love Philadelphia in this spot. Minus three at home against the Cowboys. So Paige's picks 4-0 last week. Let's remember, 10-6 and six over our last four weeks. Uh, give me the Dolphins and Chiefs over 50.5. Houston at home for the Buccaneers under 40. Ravens minus 5.5 at home for the Seahawks. And the Eagles minus three against the Cowboys. What do you got to say for yourself, Sam Yarnell? I think that that Houston-Tampa Bay game might go over. But other than that, also, actually, I, more than that, I think that the, the germ under it might be the play instead of the germ over. But I'm going <laughs> to ride with the germ over anyway because it's a 9.30 a.m. game and I want to root for points that early in the morning. So I'm going to ride with you on that germ over. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a really fun game. It means I have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to watch a 6.30 a.m. game. It's one of those times where West Coast is not the best coast. But we'll deal. We'll deal. East Coast, Beast Coast, baby. No, no. You come out. You come spend. If I took you out here for a month, you'd never go home. You'd never go home. You'd be out here forever. Yeah. You're right, because I wouldn't be able to afford to because Gavin Newsom would take 80,000% of whatever money I make. <laughs> it all goes to a good cause, though. We have great programs, great social beneficial programs out here. Uh-huh. Hey, if California were its own economy, it'd be like the third or fourth richest economy or biggest economy in the world. Just remember that. That's for another time, though. Sammy Arnell, ladies and gentlemen. Sam, have yourself a wonderful weekend. I'm sure I'll be texting you throughout. We'll see you back here on Monday. Hopefully, we're talking about winners on Monday, Jason. Winners. I hope and pray. Sammy Arnell, ladies and gentlemen. That is Paige versus the Prince. We're back with more of the Sports Wrap. Don't go anywhere. Again, set to put the wraps on this Friday edition of the show. But before we do, just a moment on Victor Wembamyama. Did you see what he did last night? <laughs> oh my goodness. He lit up the Suns for 38. First of all, the Suns beat the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs beat the Suns. Back-to-back nights, back-to-back games. Um, and Victor Wembanyama last night 
was the first time I got to watch him in a full game because his first game, which I was going to watch on opening night, uh, there was the shooting in Maine, and I was kind of uh, glued to the television, keeping an eye on that story. And then I watched him last night, the easiest 38-10 and 10 you've ever seen. I mean, this guy makes it look easy. And there are, there's just not a lot of guys in the league that are going to be able to defend him. He's going to have such an impact on the game because the Spurs are a young team and they have some other talented pieces around him and, and they're off to a nice start and they've won a couple of games and that's all fine and good. But at the same time, his ability to draw the attention of probably a team's best defender is going to serve to make so many other guys on that roster look a lot better than they might actually be. The easiest 38 and 10. He was shooting over Kevin Durant like it was nothing last night. And he should. He's a lot taller. He barely has to jump. He runs up and down the floor. Um, He's 19 years old. You would hope he would. He's a guy trying to still prove himself, even though he was the top overall pick. Watch him step back and shoot threes. He took over late in that game last night. The Spurs were up over 20 in this game. And the Suns made a run. Still missing Bradley Beal. But Book and Durant were playing. And you see what the problem is for, for Phoenix. They've got a couple of pieces around Durant, Booker, and Beal. But... You definitely see where there is some reason for concern as it relates to the the supporting cast that's around these guys. But the big takeaway last night for me, Victor Wembomyama. As good as you could possibly be. And after the game, you could see Durant and him talking and he had Durant kind of chuckling before they before they parted ways. I had an interesting text exchange with our friend uh, Kurt Heelan, who said he talked to Kawhi Leonard the other night, and Leonard basically said, you know, once he gets his feet under him, once he gets settled, you know, and learns the game a little bit, he's going to be really good. He's going to be tough to deal with. He was tough to deal with last night. I mean, that was a coming out party really early in this guy's career. 38-10, and 10, he's a game changer on the defensive end of the floor. Boy, have the Spurs scored big with Victor Wembamyama. You don't want to say, you know, this was proof positive that he's the it guy and that he's going to be every bit as good as uh, he's been touted to be and all the hype is real. You don't want to say that, but you can't help it. If you watch a game and you know basketball and you watch a performance like he put up last night, you kind of start to figure it out. When the road announcers, I was watching the Phoenix broadcast of the game, when they are sort of going gaga over things he's doing, you could sense it. You know how special this guy's going to be. That's how we wrap up this Friday edition of the program. We're back on Monday. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Give us a like, give us a comment, whatever it may be. We'll see you back here on Monday. Full recap of the NFL action. Who knows what else? I'm Jason Page. For Sam Yarnell, thanks for checking out the Sports Wrap.